This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Hope you had a great weekend. And I hope you, um, well, you weren't an Eagles fan if you had a great weekend because it was a tough loss for the Eagles. Great game. Uh, Super Bowl uh, Sunday, uh, but a tough loss, a tough loss for um, I've got a great buddy of mine who is a um, who is a Eagles fan and he is a broken hearted guy, but it happens. Great season for both teams. OK, <clears throat> I'm actually just a few hours ago. I filled in for Andrea K. And so I was doing the Andrea K. show made it a busy day for me doing three hours of radio Feel like uh, Rush Limbaugh. Um, so, I, hey, in a moment, I'm going to play actually play. Uh, the interview I did with Dr. Paul Kengor. Dr. Kengor is uh, a super guy. We've been a guest. He's been a guest many times before. Grove City College is his university. He's a professor of political science. He's the editor of the American Spectator. Um, he is a fascinating guy. He wrote a column that talks about how uh, Reagan found himself in a position where he was being tested by the Soviets. And Kengor, Dr. Paul Kengor, believes that uh, what you're seeing is Joe Biden being tested. These uh, these um, many balloons are uh, the Chinese uh, spy balloons are meant to be a challenge to him. And he's failing miserably. We'll also talk with Ted Malik. Ted Malik's got a piece came out over the weekend, uh, talks about the NFL and how well it's been run. Forget whether you like football, forget if you uh, think that the pros is not as good as college or whatever your preferences are, just as a as an operation, a business. Uh, Ted Malik, who knows quite a bit about um, businesses, will give an obs- uh, give his observations on this subject, and he'll extend that as he likes to do uh, into what should be happening with the uh, American economy that could be an echo of the NFL. All right, uh, but first, bus first. What you need to know, what you need to know, today's wink, what you need to know. Um, I was thinking about over the weekend, I was watching this story of the Chinese uh, um, uh, spy balloons. And now we're up to, I think, four four different balloon or balloon devices have been shot down uh, now at this point. And, you know, they're all the things, all the observations, and in a few moments we will be uh, spend some time with Dr. Paul Kengor on, on his thoughts on testing Biden. But I care less about that. I care more about this. Can we have, can we have a, uh, a shift in our understanding such that people will see that China and the Chinese regime is more like the Soviet Union than it is like, I don't know, pick a rival country uh, than France or competitor or uh, uh, Germany and its economy. In other words, right now we have a lot of people that talk about how uh, China is uh, a um, the market and the Chinese economy is our rival. It's, it's the only you know economy that comes close to ours, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's not the point. The point is at this at this late date. We are in a position where we're at, we're in a cold war with China. And the examples of them, of China, the Chinese regime, damaging America, messing with America, they they just can't, they go on and on. Fentanyl and the production of fentanyl, that is largely a Chinese uh, effort, you know, a Chinese um, uh, endeavor. um, That's one. Technology transfer and tech uh, theft. 
That's another, a massive one, a massive one. You know, you, we, 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 we talked, uh, on the Andrea K show. I was, so when I was guest hosting earlier, she, we talked with, uh, Woody Woodrum, our friend who is right, right there and lives in San Diego, been there decades and one of the great leaders. And we, we mentioned, I think we we're talking about Huawei and Qualcomm. And I mean, you know, the, the importance of technology in our future, it just can't be overstated. And we are losing that battle to the Chinese regime. To the Chinese communists, you talk about space. They're making progress in space. You talk about uh, um, the uh, the uh, um, uh, bo- uh, belt and and uh, road initiative across the world. You know that they are spending trillions of dollars in in smaller countries, obviously smaller, but in countries all across the world where they are um, going ahead and sort of creating this uh, indebted nation status to their advantage. So you go one after another and you see how the Chinese regime, the communist Chinese are not our friends. In fact, that we're in a cold war. And then you pull back and you say, does anybody, does anyone think that somehow that the, the Chinese, the Chinese communists are, are more uh, benign. Do they think that than the Soviets, we know the Soviets infiltrated our academia, our government, they put agents in America, spying agents all throughout the decades after World War II until the very end, still today. And we somehow we don't think that with 300,000 of the Chinese, the Chinese uh, communist kids in our schools across the country, America, and all these people that are here, that we're not being infiltrated for the purposes not of uh, economic competition as we have with Germany, but because of a desire to do what communists do. And this is my final point. I Again, I spoke with uh, John Schlafly about this on the Andrea Kay Show. It's the system of government that is so bad, that is so uh, the system of communism that is so bad, that is so problematic. And, you know, what, what we have is a system of, of living, uh, uh, of um a propose a, um, a way of life and governing that is so significantly different than ours that it is um, the reason why. And this is what John Schlafly and I were saying. You can you can talk about the continuing validity of the uh, Monroe Doctrine and the notion that our hemisphere cannot be invaded not by balloons, spy balloons, not by spies, not by the Belt and Road Initiative, not by any of it. Because of the impact on us, and so that's the uh, that, that's that's what you need to know today. And I, I and back to my point, my 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 general point is this: is will the Chinese communists be recognized not as our economic rival, but as a Cold War enemy? And when that happens, you change how you think, you change how you act, you change how they interact and react. And I think the things like the uh, the the uh, spy balloons. Um, while while interesting and important, and the fact that they're going ongoing is incredible, um, they are in context. There's a lot other aspects of this Cold War, and I don't think that's overstating it at all. In fact, it's 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 late to be stating it well. Is my point. So that's what you need to know. All right. Um, by the way, um, Andrea Kay's doing great and fine. She'll be back. That was a lot of fun. I thank her for the opportunity to do that. Uh, don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com, sign up for the Daily Wink there, and you'll get an email in your inbox with some of these great uh, points and some links to stories, etc.
Uh, all right, wait a moment. We'll come back and talk with, we'll have an interview. I'll play this interview with Dr. Paul Kengor, and then uh, we will talk with uh, Ted Malik, our old friend. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin again. And our next guest is Dr. Paul Kengor. And I, I have been reading Paul his books for years, uh, but also he is a great columnist. And he's, I, I don't know how he does it. He writes all the time. He's also now the editor at the American Spectator. Go to spectator.org. And he posted, uh, I don't know, a, a day or two ago, a, a, a column uh, yesterday. Uh, More trial balloons for Biden, and they're not going to stop. Now, one of the reasons I mentioned Paul's books is he's written book, books on communism on history, but he also has honed in on uh, Ronald Reagan and especially key people around Reagan, including uh, the very well-known Californian uh, Judge Clark, uh, the late Judge William Clark. Uh, so welcome, uh, uh, Dr. Paul Kanger, who's at Grove City College, that wears many hats. Welcome to the program. How are you? Yeah, good, Ed. Thanks. Good to be back. So, um, you know, Paul, uh, this piece goes, I think it's very helpful. It basically gives a context that, that our enemies are always testing a president and they did it to Reagan. They've done it to everybody. And that, that your, your assertion in this is that they're testing Biden. Now walk us first of all through, uh, who William P. Clark was in Reagan's world and how and what you're describing this piece and then what you think is happening now. Yeah, sure, Ed. So I, I knew Bill Clark really well. In fact, I was his biographer. And the biography came out, I think, 2006, and through Ignatius Press. Uh, it was called The Judge. And Bill Clark, who was Reagan's you know, top hand, his, his right-hand man in the strategy to win the Cold War, foreign policy, national security policy. And Bill Clark told me a lot of stuff that, <laughs> that he should have put in a memoir, Ed, but he was, he was too humble <laughs> to write memoirs, turn down all these offers. But one of the ones that he he told me, one of the incidents that, that really kind of struck me in the last few days watching the, these, these satellites or balloons or whatever there is that are, that are being shot down, he told me about when he first became national security advisor in 1982, and it was about a year into Reagan's presidency, and Clark and the others on his team, they were on the watch for where the Soviets were going to test us. And they thought it might be in Berlin, right? Like what happened to President John F. Kennedy with the Berlin crisis and the Berlin Wall, August 1961. And it turned out to be in Nicaragua, Managua, Nicaragua. By the way, that was Daniel Ortega and the Sandinistas. And, and listen up, folks, Ortega is back. He's, yeah, yeah. he's, president, he's president of Nicaragua right now. It's, yeah. it's completely crazy. But, but this was the communist leadership there. And Reagan was trying to keep the Soviets out of Central America, and all the liberals were squawking that, "Oh, they don't want to be in Central America. You're just crazy." Right. And, and but, but 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 we knew better than that. We knew this was part of kind of like an international communist conspiracy. Moscow working with Nicaragua and Cuba and everybody else. So we had um, information and satellite photos of a really large airport landing strip, takeoff strip being built uh, kind of west of Managua. And when we tried to inquire into it, the Sandinistas said that this was for tourism. <laughs> right? You know, everybody in the world, Ed, right? They're just all dying to go to communist Nicaragua, right? right. But, but, but looking at the size of it, our DOD people and other people said that is not for, you know, Pan Am jets. I mean, that, that's a military 
that's that's a military airport. And by the way, the commie Sandinistas, because they're commies and communism doesn't work and bankrupts your system, they, they don't have the money for this. So the Soviets were bankrolling it and they were going to land MiGs in there. So Clark and the others briefed Reagan on this and Reagan got really angry about it. And he told Secretary of State Al Haig, he said, you, you, tell, you tell Anatoly Dobrynin, who was the Soviet ambassador, right. that if the Soviets put MiGs in there, we're going to take them out within 24 hours. Wow. And, and that message was communicated, and the Soviets did not put MiGs in there. But, but the Soviets learned an, imp an important lesson, which is that Reagan is tough. He has backbone. They're not going to mess with him. So, so yeah, they do. Our adversaries do this with all the different leaders. And, and I would say that Joe Biden really, really failed his first test in August of 2021, 20th anniversary of 9-11, when he let the Taliban take back Afghanistan. Right, right. And, and basically, our adversaries have been testing him ever since. The Russians going into Ukraine, uh, China doing various things. And China, about two weeks ago, put up a spy balloon at about 60,000 feet that the Biden administration and the Pentagon allowed to fly all the way over the continental U.S. Right. They're taking pictures of missile silos in Montana, over your area, Ed, in the Midwest, right, yep. headed toward the East Coast. And then they didn't shoot it down until it was over the Atlantic, at which point it had, had about a week of pictures. Right. Yeah, to, to transmit back to Beijing. And, and since that downing, I guess it would have been about 10 or 12 days ago, we've now had three additional shoot downs. In fact, when that article at, at American Spectator that I wrote that's up right now, we posted that uh, yesterday at, I think, around one o'clock in the afternoon. Right. right. Uh, it's already old. There's been a fourth shoot yeah, down. I, I saw that. Which, right. uh, <laughs> yeah, over over Lake Huron and you know near Michigan or Wisconsin, that uh, happened yesterday. In fact, I left the Super Bowl. Uh, my watching of the Super Bowl on TV about seven fifteen to hear a Pentagon briefing on the latest. So that so that's four shootdowns in the last ten or twelve days under Biden. Are they all coming from the Chinese or some from the Chinese? Could North Korea be involved? Could Russia be involved or Iran? I don't know, but as I said, you know, that, that first spy balloon, I think that was a trial balloon for Joe Biden by our adversaries. And I think we're going to see more and more, um, more and more trial balloons over the, over the next days and maybe weeks. We're talking with uh, Dr. Paul Kangor, and, and Dr. Kangor is at Grove City College. He's a professor there and also is the uh, editor of uh, American Spectator. And he's got a piece up. I'll put it up on social media. Spectator.org is where you can go to read all this stuff. But um, uh, Dr. Kangor, um, if, if it's a test of Biden, his reaction has been and, and I, so so Reagan had this mentality. Uh, you know, I think it was his mentality in general, but he certainly had this mentality public facing of deciding he was going to decide it was going to be like this. We win, you lose. You know, uh, you put those planes there. We're going to blow up people. People knew 
sort of what they were getting. And and is that with with President Biden? I don't think we know what we're getting. Right. I don't think we know. We, you know, it looks like they're, uh, one of the uh, maybe it was the briefing you were listening to. One of our people was asked, do we send uh, balloons over China? And the answer is no, at least publicly. The answer is no. I got to think we do something. Right. right? But but is it sure. is, the, is the problem President Biden's sort of outfacing decision making or, or is it is, is the problem, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, it, it feels like that. Yeah, well, it, it does feel like that. And, and and, you know, I guess I'll give him credit. He, he did place the initial order. I think it was on a Wednesday to shoot down the Chinese spy balloon. And then I think they shot it down Friday because they waited for it to get over the continental uh, United States at that point. But uh, they they do this to all presidents. John F. Kennedy came in January 1961. The Bay of Pigs was April 1961, which he failed miserably. And in fact, he had the Vienna summit with Nikita Khrushchev in June 1961. And James Scotty Reston of the New York Times said to him, he said, hey, how did it go? And JFK said, it was the worst thing in the world. Khrushchev thinks I'm weak. He rolled right over me. And you know, then came the building of the Berlin Wall two months later. And then a year after that, we discover uh, Soviet missiles in Cuba. <laughs> so yeah, none of that happened under Eisenhower be- yeah. before Kennedy. And, and, and with Biden, I would say to, to Biden supporters who, who are thinking, well, I'm not giving them enough credit because he, he ordered the, that it be shot down last week. Uh, the, his major failed first test was the Taliban in Afghanistan. Right. And, and you know, that, you know, that after that, Putin went into the Ukraine and, 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 and Putin did not invade the Ukraine. OK, under Donald Trump and, and liberals listening, if, as much as you think Trump is a wild man and everything else, right. you, you've got to admit Putin behaved himself with 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 Ukraine for four years. And in, in fact, the previous time that, that, he, that he had invaded Ukraine, the Crimea was under Barack Obama. You know, the, who said uh, in an open mic moment to Dmitry Medvedev, um, I'll have more flexibility after the election. Right. 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 And he said, oh, good. I tell that to Vladimir. Yeah. And so so, so the, you know, the, what the president says, what he conveys, the image, the image that, that he portrays in public, uh, these are all areas that 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 enemies prey upon. And you know, not all of the world is like, you know, uh, you know, wimpy, carefree, patsy uh, Justin Trudeau in Canada, um, who, you know, who wouldn't wouldn't hit a fly with a fly swatter. Right. right. The world is filled with bad guys like Putin and Xi and uh, and, you know, and, and, and the Iranian leadership and, and, and little Kim. So the, you know, those are the guys that um, exploit you. Reagan said, if you if we learned long ago, if you were going to approach the Russians with a dove of peace in one hand, you had to have a sword in the other. Hmm. And that's something that Biden needs to understand. Uh, we're talking again, Dr. Paul Kenger. He's editor of the American Spectator, professor of political science over at Grove City College. I'm looking at a list of his uh, many books. And, and one of the, the things that I think is valuable, uh, Paul, about your perspective on this is you, you've written a number of times about the dynamic between leaders. You know, your, your book on John Paul II and, and Reagan, um, a Pope and a president, you know, how people are interacting with these leaders. It, it does, as you point out, it it, it is a factor. It, it's, in fact, it may be the factor uh, in terms of mm-hmm. dramatic shifts um what uh, one more question though 
You, you have written a number of books also on uh, one is called dupes, how Americans adversaries have been manipulate, manipulated by progressives for a century, but uh, on communism and on the, the um, infiltration of our country, spy balloons is not our problem. I hate to say this. I mean, we don't want them. We should be tougher. We should be more mm-hmm. serious, but the, the, the communist Chinese like the communist Soviets, their system of operating is is going to be spying on us, infiltrating us. Tra- Whether you take TikTok or you go and, and understand that every major company is being hacked, or or they're trying to hack, or they're buying them, or and we have hundreds of thousands of academics, uh, students in academic universities, and professors. I mean, we have a much bigger problem with the Chinese spying on us all around us, don't we? Well, we do. And, and and I would say, too, even and this is where I thought you were going to go with this originally, Ed, our internal uh, rot, right, where uh, you, you've seen some of the videos out there of, uh, you know, comparing our new CRT woke military with, um, you know, four star Admiral Rachel Levine and and, you know, and, and, and trading Russian <laughs> arms dealers that we held for people like uh, you know, vaping, doping. Uh, you know, WNBA LGBTQ star, uh, Brittany, I can't, I can't remember her last Reiner, name, but, Reiner, but yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you, and you see that compared to the, you know, the Russians and the Chinese and how they train. They, they really, they really do see us as wimps. They, they really do. And, and, and so it's not just Biden, the person, but as they see the kind of cultural liberalism, turning our once proud U.S. military into this woke pronoun, non-binary, gender-neutral toilet military, uh, they, they, they laugh at us. They think we're a joke. So, so the, they, they really feel that they can exploit us at a kind of systematic level. You're right. I mean, spying on us is what they do all the time. But under this current administration and the Democrats, I think they feel that we're um, even bigger dupes, suckers, and patsies and they could take greater advantage of us than ever before. Well, it is um, uh, important. Uh, I'm glad you wrote this piece also to to uh, to keep talking about uh, Judge William Clark and his incredible role. Uh, there's 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 these heroic characters in in lives of uh, great people like Ronald Reagan. Um, so and this is a great perspective. So thank you, Dr. Paul Kanger. We appreciate your time and uh, we'll we'll make sure to have you on again very soon. Sounds good, Ed. Thanks a lot. Okay, we'll take a break, everybody, and I'll be right back. It's Ed Martin, and you're on The Answer San Diego. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in. Our friend Ted Malik has uh, published a piece. He was just telling me off the air. Over 8 million views I think that's the right number. One America News published it on their website. They've, uh, of course, San Diego based where our show originates. They, uh, they do the ra- the uh, TV show. They do their TV shows, but they also have a very active online presence. So welcome back, Ted Malik. The topic is, uh, uh, the NFL and this, um, lengthy piece going through how the NFL has built its, uh, its business model and how well it works. And I have to say it really does work. It's incredible how, um, well run that the the nfl is you forget about whether you like the football or not whether you think there's wokeness or not it's incredibly well run when you watch that super bowl ted you just kind of as a businessman you say boy these these people have this thing together huh yeah and i didn't like the outcome as you know i'm a, <laughs> right. Eagles fan. Sorry about a, game, that. a game of two halves but two great teams 
competing. I mean, clearly the two best teams in the league having that contest. Um, and that's the way it's supposed to be. So you have to congratulate the winners and the Eagles will certainly be back. They have a great team, but yeah, my article is largely about the business model of the NFL. So I'm, I'm a willing critic of some wokeness or taking a knee, which they don't do anymore, largely. Right. And I, I just go over in detail how this league was formed, how it merged with the other league, how it's really uh, an incredible economic success. And I say then, really, if we were to follow some of its measures, a model for the entire U.S. economy. What you know, the first thing when I started reading, and of course you got to it uh, later, and we're talking with Ted Malik, and uh, and uh, the title of his piece is "What the U.S. Economy Can Learn from the NFL." But uh, my first thought as I started is, yeah, but th- they have a they have a monopoly control, and I started to think, and they have protection under the federal law, but they don't. The NFL does not have that. The Major League Baseball, I think, does right, right. has a has, a, has right. an antitrust exemption. So there is no antitrust exemption or anything like that for the NFL. And I guess the point is, it's not so much it's a monopoly; it's just a really good business. Because if you wanted to start your own football league, and there are people that <laughs> there, do it, they try. People have attempted it. People yeah. have attempted it and failed. Right. It's very difficult to do. I mean, maybe to start one team would be right. possible, but to have an entire league and then to have it expand as it has down the decades is, is really quite an achievement. It, it, I mean, amongst all sports, it, it's uh, really at the pinnacle. And, and here's the thing. It, they have, as you point out, they have uh, effectively, you know, 17 or 18 events per team. They don't, you know, it's like baseball. You've got 162 you do, NBA, right. NBA. You've got what is it? 82 uh, plus the playoffs. They go on forever. I mean, and yeah. so you've got a limited number. They're so good. The loyalty is so high. It's it's pretty and it's it's not cheap. There's no there's no game. There's not a a ten dollar ticket. I don't think maybe there is. It's like for the not Washington, anymore. No. <laughs> Washington. So um. What is the future, though? Is the future more teams? I mean, when you look at a, a, I guess you're just making so much money, just keep making money, right? Well, largely that's what's happened. Uh, some of these franchises now, I'm talking about the Cowboys or others, are valued at over $5 billion individually. So there is a, you know, a huge success story there. And, and really, I talk about the product. The product is exciting football games. So we saw one yesterday. Right. But really, because the teams are so evenly matched and because of the structure and the cap and because of the draft, really you get great games all season long. So here's an interesting question. We're talking with Ted Malik, and you should look at this piece because he goes through and talks about the history of the NFL and how it merged with the AFL and then how they came up with the playoff system and all this stuff. And I, but, but um, what's interesting is, what what can the future be to think about? And and they've done a good job of adjusting. They, as you point out, one thing that's really pretty darn incredible is they basically have their feeder uh, training ground is college football. They don't have to pay anything for it, and they get all these players into the into the uh, into the NFL. Nobody jumps. Nobody jumps to the uh, straight to the NFL. Um, they they go at least a couple of years, one one year or more uh, to the. But um, but uh, Ted. It, it, they have adjusted a little bit to the the injury issue. The helmets are better. They don't let the, the technology, sports medicine, the yeah. uh, concussion protocols. I mean, as we all know, football is, as I say, a contact sport. I played it in high school, got injured. It is a um, it is a sport of, frankly, some violence, which makes it interesting. 
and obviously the protective gear is important. But uh, it is is also a game that, with a few exceptions, players don't play for a long duration. I mean, right. uh, the Tom Brady's of this world are are really a, a, an exception. Most players mm-hmm. last three point four. 3.5 years and then they're retired. So it's, it's not a long career. Yeah, that's right. Well, and that, and, and so that, and I guess the reality now they make enough money, the players are protected. You know, if you're, if you make it to the NFL, you're going to be, you know, you're going to have health care, you're going to have the protections because there's enough money. The early years, it wasn't yeah. so clear. It wasn't so clear. I mean, some of those old timers will tell you, you know, they made no money. They had no insurance and they're, you know, selling cars again. Now there's nobody, I think, that makes it to the NFL that doesn't make enough money and have enough protection going forward. So what, if you look at it as a business, what would you say? I mean, many, many businesses are great. And can run very well, and they run into problems. What what could be the problem down the line? Do you see what is it? Competition? Is it, it? It doesn't look like for a period. It looked like people were sick of the the wokeness. You know what? Well, I, th- I think that that is the problem, and they've cleared that out. Basically, they have. I agree. Yeah, you don't see that on the back of the helmet. You don't see that kneeling. You don't see all that crap. Right. So the owner said, "We've had enough of that. For the most part, that's gone." Uh, and they've gotten past it. I, I think the internationalization of the game is uh, is interesting because it's American football. It's not soccer. Right. But I lived in London, as you know, for eight years, and they sold out Wembley Stadium with 85,000 fans three times a year when the fans went over there. I know they do that uh, similarly, and they did it in Munich, and they've done it in Mexico City. So the question might be, not will there be teams overseas, although there is talk of London having a team. I think uh, there could be more games or exhibition games, or, uh, you know, in international settings as American football catches on. It's, it's, I mean, it is a sport people love to watch. I mean, I guess, I guess it's true that the World Cup probably gets more uh, uh, attendance, but I bet you what they tell you is the Super Bowl uh, uh, watchers. But the Super Bowl, I think you quote 1.5 billion worldwide. No. I have to think that 1.5 billion worldwide. I, I don't know how to say this except to say. It's more valuable, meaning it's it's probably a demographic that's got more money. Advertisers want it more. It's like it's like I remember when Don Imus was big on the radio. He didn't have a huge number of, of viewers, but the, they were the right ones. They were men between thirty five and fifty five, or whatever number was. And it was the demographics huge, yeah. are very good. And, and the, um, the NFL has it, that right. You see this in you know, and obviously the contracts for for the broadcasting, which are enormous. And now you also see it in, in something like the cost of a Super Bowl ad, which we all talk about today, which one was most clever or made you laugh or, you know, at brand awareness. And this costs uh, between six and seven million dollars for 30 seconds now. And people are willing to pay that because, again, they want that audience. The uh, the 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 reality is uh, you're right. And whatever the challenges that they were going to weather, you know, even COVID got everybody knocked sideways. You know, I think it, I think, you, I think you can read the statistics, say church attendance is still down 25% or something. Not attendance at football uh, games is, is back times a gazillion. And, and it's only gotten uh, bigger. You know, another indication, uh, Ted, which you cover a little bit in here in terms of the value is, um, the number of services, streaming service, I think Amazon or, or maybe YouTube TV purchased like Thursday night football. And so again, right. the, the, the NFL has structured their product in such a way. Yeah. You get Sunday, 
but you're also getting Monday night football. Then you get Sunday night football. You got Thursday night football, and they've got this, uh, you know, kind of uh, a lot of times Alabama two-step with the uh, college uh, championship game that never competes, right? They play on a Monday night. So they've really figured out how to maximize that, uh, the dollar. One thing I wonder is, I, I don't know if I saw it in here. Do they have the same, they must have the same, uh, merchandise success or more than yes they do and the league controls that and that is a huge success the amount of merchandise these teams uh you know put out in the product is, is quite incredible uh so i mean what i'm really comparing here yeah is uh is you know a model of excellence and competition you know there's no quotas actually i i looked this up 68 percent of the players are black Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, nobody's bribing anybody. You know, there's no affirmative action. You get the best players playing, coached well, you know, in a formula to win. I say, what can the economy, the rest of our economy, our corporate structure learn from that? Because this kind of meritocracy is what we need to get back to. The problem might be, though, str- comparing it to the economy, is the economy would be largely wouldn't it be largely driven at this point by policymakers who are elected as opposed <laughs> to as opposed to 32 uh whether you think they're all smart or not they bought into the vision the 32 owners or ownership groups that and they've sort of figured out how to succeed together it doesn't feel like you get that with the economy right i mean that's part of the problem i know i know you're well we still have a private economy and uh it works best when the government is not intervening so if we could have less government i mean i'm not so rosy as to think we could have no government, but uh, yeah, if, if our, uh, let's say as the founders suggested, our, our legislatures actually went home three quarters of the time, I think we'd have a much better country and a much stronger economy. Probably so. All right, Ted Malik, we're out of time. What's coming next, though? We are, I, I love to tease what you're writing up next. Do we have you? I, I'm, I'm finishing a piece called Risky Business, which is about a Tom Cruise movie, which you probably remember because you're of that age. Yeah. But it's really about the risk report coming out of the World Economic Forum and how we're all going to die from ecocide. <laughs> okay. All right. Ted Malik, thank you as always. Ted Malik, uh, we will uh, look forward to that. So uh, appreciate it. I'll post his, uh, I will post his story up on uh, social media. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. 5,000 illegal migrants are crossing our southern border every day. But that number doesn't even include the thousands of people who enter legally through airports or other ports of entry, but then violate the terms of their admission by staying too long, working illegally, or committing deportable crimes. These people are just as illegal as the migrants who waded across the Rio Grande, but we can't find them without implementing the entry-exit system that Congress mandated over 20 years ago. The sheer number of these unwanted people is so gargantuan that we struggle for words to express how rapidly our country has changed for the worse since Joe Biden took over two years ago. The best estimates are that the number of illegal aliens has increased by at least 5 million since Biden became president. 5 million is greater than the population of half of the 50 states. It's greater than all but one of our cities and all but two of our counties. If you can't see the problem, you're either blind or have been blinded. The number of invaders is projected to increase substantially with the end of the Title 42 expulsion policy as ordered by Judge Emmett Sullivan. 
He's the same federal judge who persecuted General Mike Flynn on trumped up charges, even refusing to recognize the Justice Department's dismissal of all the charges against Flynn. More than half of the five million new migrants have been wrongly classified as asylum seekers, despite the principle that requires refugees to seek asylum in the first safe country they come to. All of the migrants crossing our southern border pass through at least one safe country on their way to the United States. So their bogus asylum claims should have been tossed without further ado. The complete failure of our federal government to prevent this invasion of illegals cannot be blamed solely on bureaucratic incompetence. This is a coordinated effort to infiltrate our nation with future Democrat voters. We the people must rebuff this assault on the sovereignty of our nation and let the politicians know that we demand for our citizenship to be respected. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. American citizenship should never be taken lightly. That's why you need to go to phyllisschlafly.com and be part of the dialogue on the need for border security and an accurate census, the travesty of sanctuary cities, and voting rights for illegals. Voice your opinion at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, It is uh, great to be with you. Uh, Again, I mentioned I had a great time uh, filling in on the uh, great Andrea Kay's program uh, and she's super and it was fun, uh, made for a busy day, but it was fun. And here we are. All right. Um, a couple of things. I, I, I spoke a few weeks ago about the uh, problem of, uh, philanthropy of nonprofit charitable work becoming a place where, um, the money has flowed to influence, uh, policy and politics and elections. And I want to come back and revisit that because I mentioned that and there was coverage in real clear uh, politics, real clear investigations.com. There's a guy named Steve Miller. Steve Miller is a reporter. He did a lengthy uh, piece on the elections and how private funding through nonprofits is one of the um, ways that they're doing more to influence elections. And they say, of course, on the left, they're just fortifying the elections. That's the line they use, fortifying the elections. That's what Mark Elias and those people in the last 2020 election said, you know, don't look at us. We're not stealing the elections. We're not um, we're not breaking the rules. We're just using the rules, fixing the rules. And we're fortifying the election because we have to win. Otherwise, things go bad. The, the, the republic and the democracy is at stake if we don't win. That's how they put it. Anyway, there's a new nonprofit group called the Audacious Project. And it's supported by the Gates Foundation, the MacArthur Foundation. And, and one of the main um, supporters is called Bridge Span Group, which is a consulting group that done that does Planned Parenthood work. Um, so they've decided to put $80 million towards a new organization, a left-wing organization, that will help provide money to run local elections. Kind of Zuckerbucks, but they're going to wash it through a um uh, a nonprofit. Now, all of that is worth study, and I'm hoping that that will become a focus of the uh, people in the uh, U.S. House and sort of oversight stuff. But here's one la- one detail I want to point to. 
This is how insidious this has gotten. This audacious prog- project, it's, um, it is, it's, it, you know, the funding I told you, Zuckerbucks. Well, we've seen that. Facebook, we know that. But here's one thing you didn't know. TED Talks, you know, the TED Talks, TED Talks is a is actually the parent organization of the Audacious Project. In other words, TED Talks, which, you know, they've always leaned left. I mean, because people that are in sort of academia in that world are leaning left. They're actually putting their money out of the TED Talks into these left wing, quote unquote, progressive organizations focused on elections. I mean, there's nothing that's not ruined in this country by the left and their money. I mean, even TED Talks are now shown to be completely uh, in the tank for the left. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating for, you know, you, you just want some things not to be ruined. You want some things not to be ruined, and they are. All right. I just thought I'd bring that up to you. And I and we got to get to the bottom of these nonprofits. This is unbelievable how often they're being. It's it's not Now it's not just um, using the nonprofit status to, say, get tax deduction or something. It's to hide. It's to wash the money. It's money laundering. It's legal money laundering. So there you have it. All right. Well, listen, thank you especially today to the great Noah Dingley, our, our producer. He helped me with the Andrew K. Show. Thank you to Ryan Height for his good work. And thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.